And now, another controvertible episode of Faded Mates. Welcome, everybody. We're going to be talking about space romances. I'm Jen Reads Romance. (laughs) I'm Sarah McLean. I write romance novels and I read romance novels. And all I want is for, like, a pigs in space style (laughs) intro to this. Where it's like, romance in space. (laughs) Oh, God, me too. Miss Piggy was formative. Man, Pigs in Space was the best. Also, the like, um, I forget what it was called, but the um, like the general hospital style soap opera on The Muppet Show. We're super dating ourselves now. I'd like everyone to appreciate. I don't even care because it's amazing. She just, everything was so sparkly and silvery when she was in space. I loved it. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, and it's making me want, like, I wonder, I wonder if you got, I wonder if the Muppet Show's on Netflix. The Muppet Show should be on something. I would love to show my daughter the Muppet yeah, Show. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere. That's, I remember going through that when our son was younger and really being like, we got to watch the Muppet Show, man. It's good Well, because also, like, as a grown up, you come to Sesame Street with your kids and then you realize, like, all the good Muppets are not on Sesame Street. Like, yeah. The good, like, smart-ass Muppets. Miss Piggy, uh, Gonzo, (laughs) Fozzie Bear. Like, none of them are on Sesame Street. One of my favorite Muppet movies is the one with Gonzo being from space. God, what was that one? Hold on. I got a idle (laughs) Muppet movie. I don't know, but I do feel like this is giving Eric some meat food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, there was a there was a movie that was all about Gonzo, and you know who else it had? Okay, the guy from The Good Wife and like Dead Poet Society that like oh makes me bite my fist because he's so fucking handsome. Are you talking about Robert Sean Leonard? No, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. Fuck that guy. I'm talking about the other guy. You know the one who was on The Good Wife, Ethan Hawke. No, I'm talking about the other guy. God. How many other guys are there on in Dead Poets Society? Shut up, the best guy. The one Which who one? makes the one who makes out in the on the good wife? The one who makes out with her in the elevator? I, you keep saying the good wife. Uh, it's not gonna make me have seen it. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. I'm like oh my Google's God. my friend. Oh, you guys, welcome to my life. No, stop <laughs> it. I'm an amazing person. Just because I can't remember people's names. Dead Poet Society mm. is like a seminal text for me. Like it's, it's, so it, I'm, try- oh, for I'm sure. confused by which guy or which boy you're talking about. <sighs> okay, wait, I'm trying to find out. So Alicia you're not Clark talking about, like, and the one with like Will the- Gardner. Okay, so Will Gardner is the name of the guy in The Good Wife. In, uh, I'm like, you know. Will Gardner is. Knox Overstreet. He's the guy who plays Knox Overstreet. Oh, wait a second. He's not good. He's a bad guy on a, uh, in a lot of things. Okay, but in this Muppet movie with Gonzo, he also is fine. I'm just telling you. <laughs> well, he's fine everywhere. Yeah, well, God, yes. Oh, my God. There's a scene with him kissing Alicia Florrick in oh, fucking Knox Elevator. Oh, Overstreet. You're right. And that Knox scene where he Overstreet. does. Overstreet. He he's the one who goes on the date in Dead Poets Society. Yes. And then what does he do? He brings. It's Josh Charles. Josh Charles. Night. It's from Sports Night. 
You know, um, I'm starting to realize that you and I not remembering names and titles <laughs> is like way wait, deeper. Wait, wait. There's like a lot of layers to I it. I know, you guys. So I know my faves are problematic, but I have like an obsession with Aaron Sorkin and the things that he writes. And Sports Night is magnificent. And you have to appreciate that me saying that Sports Night is magnificent is like – uh, really, it must be super magnificent because I know nothing about anything involving balls. I mean, <laughs> blow-up balls. <laughs> Although, <laughs> wait. Oh, I stop. mean, throw ball, kick ball. Sports balls. Ball. Sports balls, Sarah. Sports balls. Although I will say that I was at a signing not long ago and a woman came up to me. A reader came up to me. And if you listen, reader, please, like, tell us who you are. Um, Please say hi on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere. Um, She came up to me and she said, do you know the difference between you and Tessa Dare? And I was like, well, I mean, we're not the same person. So I know a lot of things that are different about me and Tessa Dare. And she said, Tessa Dare writes about balls and you don't. And I was like, what? And I realized I really don't. Like, I generally don't like involve myself with testicles um but apparently <laughs> testa does everyone so you know if you've never there read you testa dare and you're into balls she's for you talk um, about a I, close fucking read i mean right? damn girl wow. i'm impressed uh, but i did come home and i put balls into that book because so, yeah. i was like well i refuse to be bested i don't know like <laughs> Well, Sarah, all this to circle back around to, I'm real embarrassed to tell you the name of this fucking movie that you should watch with your daughter is called Muppets from Space. Like, it's not even complicated. How the fuck could I not think of that? Muppets from Space. Jesus Christ. Amazing. And is it Pigs in Space, but like Uh, a whole movie? It's like a whole movie. Miss Piggy's for sure in it. It's like the Wayne's World of the Muppet universe. They're trying to figure out where Gonzo's from, if I remember correctly, but it's really mm. fucking cute. It's like one of my favorites. It's like really, really cute. So I, I would recommend it. I feel like now <laughs> it almost feels dirty to somehow segue to romance from there, but you know, whatever. Whatever. Romance in space. And here's the interesting thing. It's real dirty in space. I feel oh. like romance yeah. off planet It's like suddenly everybody's allowed to write whatever the hell they want. We've talked about this with um, with like paranormal, right? Like when you remove people from like human society on Earth, you get to break a bunch of different rules. Like that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, it's sort it it actually really does. It's a it's a um, it's interesting because so I when we talked about doing this episode, my instant thought was like, oh, well, we're going to have to, we have to talk about those early ones. But like, I don't think there were that many super early romances, but they, the, the, there was a Jane Ann Krentz called <laughs> Sweet Starfire. Um, the cover's pretty great. Like the, the heroine has like the most perfect, like, like they're basically just like, metallic boobs underneath there they're like weaponry (laughs) they're they're very it's not even perky it's like it's like they defy gravity they're very firm gravity they're incredibly firm breasts (laughs) um and and it's based so okay so the heroine has um telepathy she's telepathic and um she is 
well, or no, I'm sorry, she's not telepathic, but she's from this like world of people who are telepathic and she doesn't have it. Ooh. Um, there's like some reason why she doesn't have it and she has to figure it out. And then the hero is basically Han Solo. Like he's like a delivery man in space. <laughs> <laughs> My theory, and I will get to this later in the show, is that like every good character I love in a space romance is basically Han Solo. I mean, it makes sense though, right? Especially because, so I don't know what date, I don't know what date this is, but it had to have been early days. Um, and the, well, I do know what date the other one is. The other one was written in the, um, so the other one that sort of is instantly imprinted on my mind is Joanna Lindsay's Warriors Woman, which is in the Lie Santa series. <laughs> Which is spelled L-Y-S-A-N-T-E-R because, I don't know, dash. That's how you show that you're an alien <laughs> culture by having some real weird spelling <laughs> fucking definition. Like, right? You gotta use a bunch of punctuation. <laughs> Add in punctuation to make it seem real. Um, yeah. So wait, but I am going to, re- I know last episode I was like, we're not going to read the back cover copy because <laughs> it sucks. But like, here's the thing. Back cover copy has changed a lot over the years because if I had back cover copy like this, I would make everyone read it all the time. <laughs> so here it is. In the year 2139, fearless <laughs> Tedra de R sets out to rescue her beleaguered planet Christian from the savage rule of the evil Crad Camor. Experienced <laughs> in combat, but not in love, the beautiful, untouched Amazon flies with Martha, her wisecracking, free thinking computer, to a world where warriors reign supreme and into the arms of the one man she can never hope to vanquish, the bronzed barbarian, Callan Lysander, a magnificent creature of raw yet disciplined desires, the muscle bound primitive <laughs> succeeds where no puny. Kistrin male had before, mm. igniting a raging fire within Tedra that must be extinguished before she can even think of saving her enslaved world. That's a whole lot. We're going to read it, y'all. <laughs> I'm like kind of ready to read it right now. So it's Dang. like this is Conan the, bar- the Barbarian, I think. Oh, yeah, sure. Fanfic. And then there's... Uh, the you know and it makes sense like mm, yeah where joanna Lindsay was like a earthy you know schwarzenegger kind of lady jane ann krentz yeah. is more of like an intellectual uh you <laughs> know solo type Hans- of snark yeah. guy yeah right right <laughs> exactly like we should i swear to god i always say this but now it's summer so maybe i'm will- i'm constantly like we should be making buzzfeed quizzes that go along with this like <laughs> no which 70s or 80s space hero did you imprint on? <laughs> so anyway, that is where, so when I, so there were, space romance is not new. There were definitely, I mean, like, these are huge writers. Like, these are the big names yeah. of the 80s uh, writing these space romances, 80s and 90s. Um, and so certainly there was, there they appeared here and there, but there are more of them now. And there yeah. are more that are sort of well-known and 
respected and um you know real fucking entertaining frankly oh god yeah well that's i think that's i think what it is too like i just feel like so here's the like a little secret about me as a reader which is oh are you okay i was just gonna say yeah um warriors woman is was published in 1990 oh there so, you go hmm. uh yeah I am a more of a sci-fi person than a fantasy person, just in general, right? Like when I like mo- like Back to the Future and movies I loved about space travel and aliens and Star Wars, like right, like Star Trek, like all of that is way more my like my jam. And so one of the things about um, like space romances is I um, I feel like there's there's world building, but it's like less less maybe Mm -hmm. um you know fantasy i i am not a good enough reader like i'm gonna Mm -hmm. own that right like i'm just like oh shit who's this guy again you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i like i I feel like somehow fantasy it requires more of me as a reader in a way that i'm like oh i'm not good at this so i love and i love i just but i do i think it's that imprinting thing like when i think about the like you know the the like Star Wars, Back to the Future, Star Trek, like that whole decade where I was like growing up and just like, I couldn't get enough of it. So mm-hmm. part of me is like, of course I love these space romances. They're amazing. It's like if Han, I mean, all we ever get from Han Solo and Princess Leia is that one fucking kiss or whatever, right? We deserve more. We deserve better. We deserve space threesomes. Yeah. <laughs> We deserve sex planets. So let's just make it so. Make it so. Sir? Do it. Um... Okay, so we're in we're in a golden age, I would say. Yes! (laughs) I love it! Well, wait, where should we start? Should we just start... Should we start with, like, the series that, like... Brought us together? Oh, well, we should start... Everyone thinks that it was IAD, but it wasn't I I mean, like, Jen and I knew each other through the IAD, you know, universe. But, but our we, real bonding happened. Yeah, but our real bonding came over Grace Goodwin. <laughs> the the Interstellar <laughs> oh Bride series. I'm so embarrassed by this whole episode. <laughs> no, I'm not. They're fucking awesome. You know they what? Are. I was I was on a family vacation where there were, like, more people than seats in cars and so somehow I kept always getting left behind, which I swear didn't mean to happen. But it was like, get the kids and the grandparents there. And I was like, whatever, you're going to a kid's movie. It's fine. And I read a ton of these fucking books, you guys. Like one after the other, I literally could not get enough of them. What's the series name? The Interstellar Bride series. Yeah. Oh, my God. So you guys, you guys. <laughs> okay. So Jen, picture this. <laughs> Let me paint you a picture. So Jen and I are not friends yet. I mean, like, we're friendly. We like yeah. each other on Twitter. We're fo- we follow sure. each other on Twitter. But um, I don't know how it <laughs> fucking happened. I think it probably happened because Ice Planet Barbarians. So Sophie Jordan, who uh, is joining us next week for The Master, um, is uh, a dear friend of mine. And she loves a bananas book just like more than anybody in the whole world. And she started reading those Ice Planet Barbarians books by Ruby Dixon. And we, mm-hmm. like, found ourselves down the <laughs> rabbit hole, the two of us. And it was, you know, we I looked up a week later and I'd read, like, 17 of those Blue Alien books. It's <laughs> – the whole week is a blur. And, um, and I would recommend, like, the first – 
you know, however many you want to read. Yeah, <laughs> and until you're point, ready. Yeah. At some point, you'll just overdose on them, and then you'll just be like, okay, I'm <laughs> I'm done with these blue alien books. It's but, like when you're at a bar and you're drinking, like, it's like the first real night nice of summer, and you're drinking, like, maybe uh, some kind of frozen cocktail. They're going down <laughs> real easy. <laughs> And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I just did – wait, I just overdid it. Exactly. I imagine it's what, like – I've never done cocaine, but I imagine it's like Coke. Like, you're like, this is great. And then you're like, whoa, yeah. I need a nap. Right? So, yeah, that was it. So um, we had to shift from that so, to another similar yeah. series, so, right? So, like, then we started – like, so then it was just one of those things where, like, anytime anybody – ask like what's the craziest thing you've read recently we'd be like well have you read ice planet barbarians because there's like it's weird i mean like crash spaceship crashes like woman out in this like ice planet she comes she stumbles upon a like giant blue alien and he immediately goes down on her like and it's crazy (laughs) so whatever periodically the ice planet barbarians comes up online and like we talk about how crazy it is and and then jen DMs me, I think. Have you read these Grace Goodwin books? And I was like, well, no, but obviously I'm in the mood for another drug. So so the the structure of these books are, first of all, these are not in KU. Ice Planet Barbarians are in KU, so you sort of feel like it's free. Grace Goodwin has put her books in. You're paying for it. You are paying $3.99 for each one of these books. And I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. I gave that money to her for a long time. <laughs> These are probably not in your library either, you guys. Like, so the the premise yeah. is, so you, the first chapter, you're like, hello, here's the heroine having sex with, like, two men or, like, one, and, like, there's all different, it's whatever it is. It's, like, there are, but there are aliens, 4,000 right? books in this series. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the first one, all you know is that, like, she's having sex. Like, she's, like, in the middle of sex with this person. And you're like, this feels like a very jarring entry into a book. <laughs> but okay, Jen recommended it, so. And then she wakes up, and you realize that she has been in a machine, like, in a sort of, uh, yeah. you know. An sex- MRI sex machine. An MRI sex machine. Sarah. <laughs> That's what it is. Hello. Instead of it being a big donut, it's like a big vagina. <laughs> and then she wakes up and there's a doctor and the doctor's like, oh, hey, um, you've been matched to yeah. an interstellar, like a man, a, a, well, a male of a species yeah. on another planet. And you are a human. You're basically like a virgin, like a, a, a fertile human female and you can be right like you're basically going to be shipped off to this dude wherever you are well and it's always this and alien compatibility yeah and the deal is is that at least for the ones i've read the this like interstellar bride program right the other the alien planet they have like pairs of alien men essentially agree to mate this woman or that's how it works on their planet because it's so dangerous that that way like if one of them dies the other one will be able to like you know protect her protect her and still be there for her now Mm -hmm. none of them ever die so it's just like these polyamorous like sexy super sexy threesomes but i will say male female male there's no crossing of the swords (laughs) i know which is a big bummer for me 
Yeah, I think that's know. why you and I both were like, meh. Here's my other thing is the the woman on Earth who's who's like part of the intake process, her name is Warden Agara. And as time went on in these books, it became clear that she had some sort of backstory herself. And I was like, it's like a year later. Has she ever gotten her own book? And I do not think so. But I bet we cannot be the only people who are like, Warden Agara, where is your Why book? doesn't she get herself into the machine? Well, I think she had a mate and something went wrong. And so mm. now she's like back in the pool and, you know, not ready. Sure, sure. <laughs> Fine. Take, take your time, Agara. <laughs> um, but here's what's really interesting because this is a these really echo. So I'm really fascinated by these space books because I think they're doing some sort of like interesting work, like at, as part of the genre. I mean, this is the, welcome to Fate yeah. everyone. Like we're gonna talk about, we're gonna <laughs> try and figure out like why these what it's doing. Books right. that at first glance, feel like real one handed reads, if you know what I mean. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like I think doing some interesting work and what these books are doing um, is very similar to what old medievals were doing in that they're telling a story about like each one of these matings in these uh, Grace Goodwin books is um, intergalactic because intermarriage between the two cultures solidifies the relationship between the two right cultures, the two planets right? it's like right. your uh, Norman female is sold to a Saxon warrior or vice vice versa I don't remember my history so I think that's whatever how it goes so the um so the it, that's interesting like there's something going on there but also then there's this very real sense of like woman alone in a world in a threatening world yeah sure and there's something really compelling about that in 2019 for me like oh yeah I've I think been talking so. a lot about you and I have been talking really a ton about how it feels like now in 2019 you have two options in romance you have like the super soft like the like really gentle calm love story or yeah. you have like space prison planet book yeah which right we're gonna get to right yeah. and like I think the, that's true right the two the- I feel like they're scratching weirdly i feel like they're scratching the same itch like like socially because i don't want i'm right now like not really that interested in a soft book because i'm like i want to see like i want to see threat i want to see anger i want to see like women and like people in marginalized communities triumphing over you know the worst but i think a lot of people are like the world is horrible and I just want to escape into my, like, soft cinnamon roll of a book. And I think that there are, like, then two sides of the, <clears throat> like, the same coin, which is how, when we think about, like, what is romance, how does romance a- approach, like, the patriarchy? And I think one of the things we've talked a lot about is, like, we're excited about the way that it, you know, like, I was reading a really interesting thread this morning that was, like, when we talk about romance being by women for women, that... That's that used to be true, but now it's also really trying, I think, at least the books I'm interested in, like trying to be a place for um, anyone who's like on the the downside of the gender spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone who's like not a cishet male. And so therefore, like opening up for non-binary, for queer people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that these books are really like pushing against 
Um, sometimes too, like gender dynamics, because one of the big differences I think of in these books is that the people who are like, like women aren't always just um, like receptacles or receivers, right? Like, so sometimes they're fighting back. Sometimes they're the heroines. Sometimes they're saving their mates. Sometimes, right? So, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways in which it's, um, you put a, you put people in space and then sometimes like their, their roles, right? Whether, whether they be gender roles or like work-related roles or like marriage roles, Right kind of get a chance to change because now you're in a different society. So I do think that that's, that's like what it is too. So it's like exploring, like, who are we in relationship to this institution maybe, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be the prison planet, the mating, the inner bride program, whatever. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think there's something really interesting to be said for, um, for just like how these books are, um, it's weird because almost all of them sort of really like solidify in some ways, like underscore that kind of physical difference between like the sort of like women as the weaker sex. Mm, yeah. Right. Well, because the aliens are always seven feet tall with like a monster dick. Yeah. Right. Even in. So let's talk about um, let's talk about Emmy Chandler next. OK. So if you follow me on Twitter, um, you know that I <laughs> I about three weeks ago went through this like massive Emmy Chandler phase where like somebody recommend I was on retreat with a bunch of other authors. Somebody recommended like we were talking about. I was with Sophie Jordan. Sophie loves a prison book. We were talking about these prison planet books. Um, and, and now I can't remember the name of that series either. Um, anyway, so we were – so and I had never read them. Um, so I picked up the first of the Emmy Chandler prison planet books. The first one is called Guardian. Oh, it's just called Prison Planet, the series. And so the concept is like people get shipped off from planet – from like – Again, it's kind of a Star Trekky kind of futuristic society where there are many different planet, many different planetary planets that are in part of like some sort of planetary consortium. And if you commit a crime, you are sent to this prison planet where it's Australia. It's yeah, where there are sectors, and you go to a different like each sector has a different kind of criminal in it. And um, obviously, and women are men, and women and men are sent to all the sectors. And like, it's a very intense content warning on this. Like, there's a lot of threat of sexual violence in this book. Oh yeah, um, because obviously, like, when you are in a position where like women and men are uh, imprisoned in a enclosed space, no matter how big the enclosed space, like. That sexual dynamic is that that dynamic of sex is going to be there between them, um, and it's pro- like it is it is overarching. Like there is a oh, there yeah. is a constant threat of sexual violence in these books. Um, but so, but what Emmy Chandler is doing here in the so the first one is called Guardian, and it's basically just like um, it's it's just like a a woman is sent to this like to this prison planet, and then she discover and she has to be she's like pretty much given like she gets to choose her mate like mate she gets to choose the man who she is with for 30 days 
um, and they, he has to his job is to protect and feed and clothe her and her job is you know to pleasure him and he of course is very noble and heroic and it all yeah. works out sort of fine at the end although I want to talk about what fine means in the context of some of these books yeah um, the second one Hunter is my favorite of them me too and it's the most dangerous game basically right yeah yeah, so like very rich people get to pay money to come down onto the prison planet and hunt killers, like basically in an enclosed space. So it's like Hunger Games. Like there's a enclosed space with lots of cameras and um, monitor, like things that are monitoring you. And in that one, the heroine gets herself put into this enclosed space too. And so the hero and heroine are both being hunted by the same man, and the heroine is a technological genius. So she, he cannot, like, he is just pure brute physical strength. Right. she is mental, like, she's just a genius. And so to get, so she saves the day in that book um, with her, like, intellect, her intellect. Right. And he keeps them safe when they're out like in the like the woods essentially right i mean so it's like together they're this like unbeatable team even against like all of the ways in which they're like right like the other hunter right has weapons has technology has cameras can find them there's Mm -hmm. these really terrifying metal Dogs. dogs right that essentially are just if they run into you, they're just going to, like, rip you to shreds. And it's really – but, yeah, I mean, it's a classic uh, – like, The Most Dangerous Game is a classic short story about a general who essentially creates his own island, right? And he's going to hunt the people who get shipwrecked on the island. And he sets up, essentially, a trap to shipwreck them. And have you read this? I feel no, like – but, I mean, oh, I know that I know You the know reference. the trope, right? Yeah. And – um. And it, it has to be an island the same way this has to be a prison planet, right? You have to be isolated. And even if you can defeat the hunter, how are you going to escape is always like the meta question that's yeah. kind of underneath, right? Yeah. There's no real escape from any of it, even if you can beat this one this one guy. No. And the so the third one, Champion, is Lady Gladiator. Like she chooses she gets to choose her she's sentenced to death and she gets to choose the 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 way she dies and she chooses fighting as a gladiator on the prison planet like for tv and yeah. she's the only woman who's ever done it that's real hunger gamesy like she gets a makeover and she has sponsors like if you loved the hunger games and you wish yeah. there had been sex in it and you are not <laughs> scared and you are not like triggered by sexual violence um in any way nobody in these books actually like gets raped but but it's it's a threat constantly or it's happened in the past right i mean in the second one she's essentially been or no is it i think she kills him before it happens yeah that's right but she but it's i mean like you should not if if that is triggering for you at all you should not read these books but that third one champion and you can read these you can read them standalone they are not you do not need to read them in order but champion is if if somebody said to me like i want hunger games but a romance it's champion yeah um Anyway, uh, and then they go on from there. But there's something really interesting about these books, especially now, in that Happily Ever After in these books can't really be 
happy. Sure. Because the world because is not rated. Yeah. They're still on a prison planet. Right? Right. So yeah. it's a really odd. There's something very satisfying. For, they were incredibly satisfying for me as I was reading yeah. them. But I really, I keep going back to like, why is, because we talk well, all the time. If, one of the big questions, I'm sorry. I know I'm talking a lot. No, keep going. One of the big questions we have a lot is in, in historical specifically is like, why don't people write poor characters in historical yeah. romances? I mean, in contemporaries too, right? Like, and the answer has always been, well, because it's not like, like if you're poor, like, is it happily ever after? Like, like if you're wor- yeah. literally worried about where your next meal is coming from. Right, right. Is it happily ever after? And... These people are alone on a prison planet. Here's what I I think it's really about. I think it's like, and I think this is like the work, right? Like we talk a lot about like partnership, right? Like what, like that's what a romance sort of delivers at the end is these two individuals have become like a team, right? And now they're going to face whatever struggles sort of happen together, and I think that's why it ultimately works, because even though there's still danger in their future and we know that, we also know that they have come through something where we trust that whatever their future, right, whatever this future conflict is going to be for them, that they are going to like tackle it together. And there's something really appealing about that, right? Like, and I don't necessarily, by the way, think that that's just a romance thing I think that's like a friendship thing I think a lot of these books have build like communities of people together right like I think going back to Ice Planet Barbarians right like they all start to work together and so they're like it's literally like watching a new society form only it's one often where like gender differences are irrelevant or there's more equality um you know people are essentially like literally making a new world for themselves so i think that's why that's really appealing Mm -hmm. i agree and it feels like if they could triumph over these like really dark yeah moments yeah like if you can be a lady gladiator and like survive then what can't you, you got do? this right well and often i will also point out that almost always those external conflicts are human in nature right so it's like you got kidnapped and sent to the ice planet barbarians right like this man these men who like set up these humans who set up the the gladiator dome and you're in it or whatever so they're beating humanity and then forming something new on this new planet right so i yeah, I mean, I think really profoundly, it's like this idea that we're going to, we're starting over, we're going to do this better. We're not going to end up in 2019. We started there, but we don't have to end up there. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that they're not all this kind of gendered, like, no, not funkiness. At all. And, and, and that's where I want to go next because I want to go to Robin <laughs> Lovett's books. Um, Robin Lovett is writing a series called Planet of Desire. Yes. Um, the first one is called Toxic Desire. Fun fact, Joanna Lindsay. No, Joanna Lindsay. Wrong. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> Sophie Jordan and Joanna Shoup both texted me about Toxic <laughs> Desire within 18 hours of each other. 
And I don't <laughs> think – and so you all have heard Joanna talk about Bananas Books. You will hear Sophie next week to talk about The Master. Um, but when they both recommend a book, I know it's going to be special. Yeah. Um <laughs> So Planet of Desire is Robin Lovett's series <laughs> where, again, it's futuristic. There's kind of an intergalactic uh, space consortium. There's a big bad um, planet or like bad guys t- Like It's like the 10 planets consortium, I yeah, think, or something, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like the EU of space. And the thing that's really interesting before you launch into this Please. is all of the like, if you're working on one of the 10 planets like ships like they demand that you be like essentially gender neutral but what that really means is that you are essentially disguising yourself if you're a woman to present more as a man yep right and so what happens is they land on this the sex planet and the reason it's a sex planet is because there's something <laughs> literally in the atmosphere like the desedre or whatever i don't there's know how you an say it aphrodisiac the atmosphere itself is an aphrodisiac and it's like you can't get away from it, right? You're so going to you, die. And, if you don't have sex, you will die. Yeah, masturbating is not enough. It has to be like a mutual thing, right? Well, masturbating will help for a little bit. But yeah. But like right. ultimately, you got to have sex. And yeah. it doesn't matter. It can be there. It can be it can be any form of sex. Like it's it, polyamory, queer queer sex right. whatever kind of sex you want to it does have, not have to be p and v it's about the emotional connection between the two three four however many people then what happens is people there are eight i mean in the first one it's like there's a like an enemy right mm-hmm. so the the alien like kind of male of the species who's there like hates the ten planets people it's enemies right? to lovers yeah because he was on he was a, was he a prisoner on like the ship or something? Anyway, he <laughs> has gold skin, <laughs> and and when they when he ha- when anybody has sex with this this type of creature, I mean not creature but this type of being in the world, yeah, they then <laughs> turn gold. I know it's, it's amazing. So crazy. <laughs> that sex is gonna make you golden. But that's a really good one because it's like he was – this, again, it's a classic old school romance trope. I was imprisoned by your people. Yeah. I hate you by virtue of you being those people. And yet here we are together. We're forced – we are forced together and on – like it's not only forced proximity. It's forced sexual proximity because if we don't do it, we're going to die. And this, the whole series then plays around with like a bunch of other things. And the second one, there's like essentially like a sex Olympics, of course. Yeah. Well, that also, again, we're back to if you like the Hunger Games, <laughs> Hunger <Yeah>. Games read-alikes <laughs> with Jen and Sarah. <laughs> and I think it's like really hey, scholastic. <laughs> <laughs> we're like um, defiling your intellectual property. Um. Because that second one is like sex in an arena. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And not like, like you're gladiators, like performance. Yeah, right. Well, and a lot of it, it's like performative, it's in public, it's a voyeuristic. I mean, because then there's like I the. I really whole... like the whole community, though. Yeah. Well, the, the, the essentially the people, the alien race that lives on this planet then has like developed 
a certain kind of culture based around this the need yeah right so um it's it is i will say this if you liked the idea of feveris in dark sky this is this is the series for you this is your next book after that yeah yeah but I really love it because, like, the it's so sex positive. Like, all the people are like, I don't understand why are you being so weird about sex. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, when we, we as people on Earth, like, travel, I think at least I would hope most of us have this, like, basic understanding that, like, you know, it's not our place to, like, put our cultural mores onto that new place we're visiting, but to, like, sort of experience Like, really, like, what's going on here? To, like, eat the food of of the place you're going. To try and speak the language, right? Like, we understand that is sort of, like, our responsibility when we choose to travel. But what if when we travel some other world, it really is, like, fundamentally seems, like, wrong with what you've either learned about who you are as a person or your culture and, like, its kind of rules and morality And then it really becomes like, again, that conflict level really ramps up because now it's like person versus society, Mm -hmm. right? And you're like, hey, this isn't how I'm supposed to act, but I have to do it in order to survive here. Mm -hmm. And that's like always those kinds of really strong internal conflicts are, which are like pressure from an external conflict. That's always like a real interesting, I like that. It's real meaty. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think that that's done very well in the third book in the series, which is just now out. Is it just out? Or we both just got it from NetGalley. Let me look. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the third book in the series, the hero um, is a person from the home world. Like this is his world. Yes. And because of by virtue of the requirement the like sort of sex requirement all the time sex to stay alive on this planet right the the characters the people who live on this planet they don't really believe in love they don't believe in like monogamy monogamy because, i'm sorry not love they don't believe in monogamy and so the concept of monogamy is incredibly foreign to them and problematic for them because they're like well wait a second because what if something happens, right? Like, what if, yeah, you know, your mate has to leave you for f- a week? Like, you're going to die, right? Like, there, it's just, imp- it's impossible. It's impossible to be monogamous and live on this planet, right? It's well, like, and this dude has, like, a special gift. He's like a shaman or something. He's a sex god. He has to yeah. share it with the people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So he is like, so basically his whole thing is like, if you're sick on this planet, he has like special energy that he can like infuse in you, but he has to do it via sex. It's all real bananas, Robin. I mean, what is happening in your head? <laughs> anyway, P.S. I love you, Robin. I met you at BEA and you're amazing. <laughs> no, but you know, this is one though where instead of her just acclimating to his rules, she has she he acclimates to sort of her culture right and she has this real concern about like you know it's it's complicated (laughs) of course but every single one of the conflicts that happens is really about again like who am i who do i want to be right should having a sexual relationship with someone make it so that they're my mate for life i mean essentially is her drama because of her you know, mm-hmm. she is not even entirely human. She's some other thing, too. But I think for him, like, he, his conflict is really interesting, too, because he's like, if you're born into a destiny, 
is that your death? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have no other choice? Yes. Like, his whole conflict is like society versus self, in term in in a very concrete way. Like, if I take if I do the thing that I want to do for myself, I have to turn my back on this like responsibility that I have toward my society. I mean, it's very it is actually very dark sky. Like this kind of, it, in you know if. Um, well, Robin is reading Dark Sky right now, so. Oh, yeah. But, like, if Thronos weren't such a, didn't have such a stick up his ass about everything, it would be very right. Dark Sky. So, yeah. I mean, so I really like this. I like it for another reason, too, that I just want to shout out. And this is not to say, look, I, like, most people in romance do not, are not public about, like, their entire persona. Like, I use a pseudonym. Like, we're, you know, I am Sarah in real life. But, you know, like, we're, we all, like, names are all changed. And it's funky but like a lot of these sex planet books or space books are written under like very private pseudonyms i'm sure partially because yeah there uh there's something kind of scan salacious and scandalous about them at first glance um right. robin is very public she's a public figure she her she uses her actual photo like and i'm not i'm not I'm not dissing anybody who doesn't do that, but, like, I just want to give an extra shout-out to her for, like, being brave. She's great. And I think that's, like, what it is, too. It's, I think, fundamentally, you know, I think sometimes, like, erotic romance gets, like, this really hard rap. Like, it's and it's just porn. Obviously, no one listening to that, us, thinks that. We don't think that. But I do think books that really examine our sense of self in conjunction with our sexuality and what that means when they aren't necessarily like in alignment the way we want them to that's that's worth us digging into as a genre and mm-hmm. i think that when you a lot of the books that we've talked about so far already are really doing that in like a variety of really interesting ways and so yeah they deserve some credit for like pushing against like a i don't know like a boundary that i think a lot of people don't really ex- it's harder to explore yeah I really want us to have, as a genre, I want romance. Um, And I think this is something that places like RWA really need to sort. RWA has a lot to sort out. Um, But someday when we get down the list from the, like, really critical things that impact people's actual real lives in the world, I want us to have a real conversation about erotic romance and, like, what it means, why it's valuable, um, what the difference is between a sexy book and an erotic book, why we need those books, why we need to honor those books as as themselves. And I think a lot of these books are doing that work. Yeah, I think so too. So I, I want to talk though, because sci-fi, like space romances aren't always just like sex planet books. And there's like, all right, I was like, that's I mean, all I guess. true and interesting. <laughs> but there are a couple other ones that I thought that we could talk about. Because because I like science fiction so much, maybe I've read more of them. Um, and there's a couple that have come out like in the past year that I think are worth um, like me or it like recently that are worth me like just mentioning. And then I want to talk about a couple um that I just read that I really liked. So I want to talk about Polaris Rising by Jesse. What is it? Mihalik? I'm not sure how I'm saying her last name correctly. I and I would say it, but we apologize. Yeah. And th- yeah, this is a, um, now I'm going to like be really honest with you. I think this is kind of romance light. There is a romantic arc, but I think the big arc is for our heroine, Ada von Hazenberg. 
And she is essentially, uh, and this is like my catnip, right? So she is the princess, essentially, in the in the universe, there's like three really powerful like houses and House von Hazenberg is one of them. And she's like the fifth of six children and she has all these skills, but her real job is going to be to marry somebody for her house. So this is like the all the aristocracy stuff, but like put in space. And a couple of years earlier, she got told she was going to have to marry somebody and she was all like, fuck all y'all. And she like takes off. But because and so she's on this like space adventure and she at the beginning of the book has has been caught kind of accidentally like she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and someone picked her up who didn't really even know what they had and all of a sudden figures it out and she gets put in a cell with a guy named Marcus Locke who is essentially like the most wanted criminal in the Mm -hmm. galaxy Mm -hmm. and hey Marcus (laughs) yeah I want to say this He's known as the devil of Fornax Zero. Hello. Which, I mean, every know, everyone knows if they're called the devil, then you definitely are going to bone him. That's Obviously. Just, I mean, that's destined that's to be. happen, right? <laughs> and she is, and they pretty quickly figure out that they can, like, use each other to essentially escape the ship. And, and she promises, like, look, I'll pay you a ton of money if you get me out of here or if you help me get out of here. Because she's, like, crazy rich from, like, this, you know, crazy rich family. And they go on this, like, massive space adventure. And the reason reason I say it's romance light is there's a clear romantic arc but I don't think it's like the a plot right her being I mean you know we talked about how um like it's like Princess Leia if she didn't have to be like fucking dead weighted with like Luke and everybody else right like she is just on her own adventure and it's fucking great and I loved it because I love like you know she's got blasters and like implants and she has to go do all this crazy yeah the cover I know that, like, we always joke about covers not being important and, like, whatever, read the book. But this cover is badass. And I'm going to tell you, I also just read, it does not come out till October 1st. So maybe this is bad form. But I just read the sequel, which is about Ada's sister, Bianca. And she gets tangled. She has been previously married like she went through the house marriage thing and part of the reason Ada was so sure she didn't want to do it is she saw what happened to her older sisters now Bianca's husband is dead she's back in the house and there's a big romance between her and the head of house security Mm, a bodyguard romance hello exactly and again I I feel like if you go into these books thinking there's gonna be a romance but it's gonna be kind of secondary to this like space princess plot Mm -hmm. then you you like me will be very happy and i love them because they're about competent competent women i love it Um, yeah so over the so just to confirm the series is how many books it's going to be three the first one is polaris rising it's out now and the aurora blazing comes out second yeah and this like plot this like the the meat of the plot is is over three books house yeah, and it's, it's all like Game house. of Thrones in space. <laughs> yep, it sure is. Okay. It's house politics, right? So their house wants something from them. There's all this intrigue between them and the other mm-hmm. houses. Um, there's all but, this competition, essentially. Okay. Yeah. And each of the books is a standalone romance. It's just the overarching series is the plot. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? I think that people will like that because also I, it, I do feel like it's more common in science fiction to have 
the same characters over books, yeah. but I like that instead it's like the house, right? Like House von Hazenberg. Well, it flips the script on, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes them more, it actually does make them more romancy because yeah. a romance reader, well, I mean, Jen, please, if you're recommending these, they have to like be complete romances at the end. You're not going to recommend them if at the end you're like, well, are these two ending you're up gonna, you're Yeah, you're going to get that HEA, but you're, I would say like, well, what I really liked about it is I think number two worked for me because they work together more. In Polaris Rising, there's actually quite a few scenes where they like split up and we follow Ada who like sure. does her own shit, saves him a bunch of times. And that worked for me too. But yeah, I think if you need them to be on page together all the time, it's not quite the same. But I really liked them a lot. And I feel like it sounds like Romance Landia really loves this book. It's on my desk because it's one of my next reads. I mean, it's on my desk with like eight other books, but, and I got a puppy this week. I don't know what I'm doing. You're not reading space romance. I'm also reading this book. I'm reading this puppy training book that's written by monks. I don't even know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's real awkward, Sarah. I know. I know. Real awkward. I know. Are we done? I think Are so. You, wait, you had a queer space romance oh, you wanted to I shout out. Oh, I do have one I want to shout out. It's called A Treason of Truths nice. by Ada Harper. And it is essentially also a bodyguard romance, except so the queen or the empress, her name's Sabine. So, of course, I was already really into liking her. <laughs> and then her lover, although it's like real complicated at the beginning, you can't quite figure it out. Like her name's Lyre and she's this L-Y-R-E. Is that how you say it? I love what? it. Yeah. I'm yeah. In. And her um, her job essentially is like she's the spy master for the empress. But the scene opens with, like, the Empress doing some, like, the book opens with her, like, doing some negotiating. And you definitely at first are like, wait, is this, um, like, unrequited love, right? That, like, Lyre's just super into Sabine. But then, like, they get back together and there's, like, you could tell everybody thinks they're already lovers. It's So it's, like, really, it's kind of hidden. But there's this great line at the beginning and I was all in where... Um, Sabine is like says something to someone and Liar thinks um, when she says thank you she can make it sound like fuck you <laughs> and I was like that's my kind of character right mm-hmm. there so that one is one that I actually have not finished yet but I've started once I knew we were doing this and I've been really enjoying it but I will admit I'm not there yet I'm not done yet so oh great well I'm glad that we shouted it out yeah for sure yeah um, tell us your favorite space romance um, because we want to read more of them. <laughs> I downloaded Warriors Woman like a lunatic earlier, so I'm ready. I've I've got my. I mean, who am I kidding? I'm not reading this monk book. Um, so, um, but we are very excited. Where I'm, I'm always jazzed when we can talk about um a subgenre of romance that is feels new, feels fresh, um, like there are just there are only so many uh, like wallflower rakes. That, you know, I mean, I love a wallflower flower rake, God knows, but like this is There are cool. no wallflowers in space, Sarah. None. And maybe that's why so. I like it. I don't think nope. so. Um, but this is really fun. And I hope you guys, it's summer. It's time for space romances. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, Hello. If, if there were ever a time for a space romance, it's summer. Now, before we go, you wanted to try something new at the end of every, every episode. Oh, my gosh. I wasn't ready to do it today. But, oh. um. Do you want me to start? 
You and start, yeah. And I've got a thing that I'm, uh, yeah, I've got a thing to talk about. So it's just like sharing something fun that we had happened to us or that we did. Is that what it is? Like, I don't know. No, I'm thinking that it should be like a, like, is there a book that you just recently read that you think is great? Ooh, or okay. Like a wreck. All right. Either like a book or a movie or show or a thing. Oh, okay. So I have been watching Chernobyl on HBO to no one's surprise because everyone knows I know, love like a nuclear story. But you know what's been really cool? I know. That's I don't so know if- obscure and weird. Oh my God. Have you read Alyssa Cole's Mixed Signals? Yeah, but wait, you didn't know that about me? You didn't I know did. that I. I like knew that you, I vaguely, but like I didn't know that it was like, you know, a thing you put in your bio. Uh, send me Sarah. your nuclear romances okay I actually there are a few nuclear romances and I have not read them well that mixed signals one isn't it oh no there was yeah, like a no. sun a sun something yeah sun. all right doesn't listen matter. I read non-fiction nuclear books I've read many many books about Chernobyl I know that's real fucking crazy but I love it no it's fine yeah, so I've read actually. I'll just take a picture. I put it on Twitter. You just don't follow me closely enough. I have a whole nuclear shelf. Anyway, I'm a puppy now. I can't. I just. I can't. I can't be Here's on Twitter. Okay. Here's what's really cool about if you've watched the show, they also have a podcast that goes along with it. Ooh. And what's really cool about the podcast is it's um the guy from Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, which I was on one then once. I was on that once and one. But you were on what? Wait, what? I'll tell you that in a minute. Wait. And he's interviewing the he's interviewing the the writer and what they do is they kind of go through the episode and talk about what parts are true and where they came from and which parts he essentially wrote in. Uh-huh. So it's a really cool way of experiencing the show like Kind of like if you ever have that question where you're watching something that's based on real events, you're like, which part's real, which parts aren't? Mm, The mm -hmm. podcast is so fun to listen to as you watch because that or after you watch because then you're like, oh, like that's a composite character. Oh, that dialogue actually came straight from Voices from Chernobyl. So I really recommend the podcast and the show. Cool. Yeah. Um. You can recommend puppy books, I guess. <laughs> nope. Um, no, I, you guys, I, so I really love the movies, but I don't go to them enough. And that mm. is a thing that is real. Um, but I went to see Booksmart last <gasps> week. Oh, I want to see that. My lovely friend, Megan Frampton. Um, and <gasps> nice. Megan and I live, you know, five or six blocks from each other. And in between our houses... Um, this is what's so great about living in a city, is a movie theater. Um, so we met in the middle and we went to see Booksmart, which is, I said, to, I said to my husband, like, it is the greatest, like, last night of high school movie I've ever Ooh, seen. That's so it's nice. basically like if you loved all those, like, high school coming of age movies, this movie is about the very last night of high school like awesome the day before tomorrow morning is graduation and the heroine is the valedictorian who um and her best friend who is the salutatorian is that how you say that salutatorian yes um and they are like adorable workaholic well the valedictorian is an adorable workaholic nerd (laughs) and the salutatorian is like um like mega feminist like nerd and they've done nothing but like be each other's friends and study 
to get into like the best possible colleges and to do like their amazing things after after high school. And then on the last day of school, she discovers that like all the kids who she thinks like, well, they've just like slacked off and like not done anything and they're all going to like you know, nowhere colleges and she's going to end up being their boss. It turns out like they're all going to like Yale and Princeton, Stanford and like big colleges. And she realizes in the very beginning of this movie, like she's ruined, like she's basically like missed out on high school because she was so panicked about the rest of her life. So she had, they have one night to rectify it. Oh, and it's like a buddy movie and it has all the beats. There's a little there's a little bit of a romance in it. It has all Perfect. the beats that you love in these movies. Um, if you love these movies, which I do, and I just highly, highly recommend it. It's written by a woman, um, produced like it's it's got a giant female um or gi- lots and lots of women working on it. Um, the crew. And uh it's written by Olivia Wilde, who's, you know, Awesome. Talented. Jason Sudeikis is in it. Mm, That sounds so good. So is uh, Lisa Kudrow. Well, it's summertime. It's time for me to get my movie on. So I'm here for it. Yeah. If you like a high school movie, but you teach high school. Well, you teach junior high. I don't. I teach middle school. But, you know, my son is in high school. And I am always telling him, like, just enjoy high school. Like, stop fucking falling for this crazy idea that your life only matters. I want you to watch it. Well, you you should. I want you to watch it with him and then tell me what he thinks. I will report back to you. Yeah. I want to know what real kids, kids on the street <laughs> feel. But I really loved it. Kids on the street are still in bed at 1130 in the morning. Fine. Man, that's a great life. It seriously is. It really is. I would be in bed if I didn't have, you know, kids and a dog <sighs> and a husband. Self-inflicted. That's I know. I, <laughs> I know. All right, my loves. All right. This was Faded Mates. Don't forget to uh, subscribe, like, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. Find us on Twitter at Faded Mates. Find us on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. Check out the show notes because Jen is amazing and does beautiful show notes. There will be cover images this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a quick reminder, everybody, that the moon and Mars are two different places. (laughs) Have fun in space. Masturbating will help for a little bit, but like ultimately, you gotta have sex. It does not have to be P and B.
Waiter, all have what she's having, only less pepper.